I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, for there we will find peace and joy and happiness and a great reward. The psalmist David said that, and I don't know about you, but that seems more and more and more apropos for me each and every time we come into the house of the Lord. Because it reminds me that we are not citizens of this place called the United States or this place called Earth, but we are citizens of heaven, of the kingdom of God. And that is where I find my hope and my peace and my comfort. Well, here we are, and it's our second Sunday in our Life Matters series, and today we are going to examine the part one of a two-part theme called The Matter of Faith. And I am going to invite you to get out your Bibles or your electronic devices and maybe even a piece of paper or a pen or your whatever you take your notes on in your electronic devices because we're going to walk through this thing uh, just a little bit over the next two weeks because it's time. It's time that we really examine the matter of faith. When I was growing up at the Great Central United Methodist Church, which is just a stone throws from here, just across from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, on first Sundays, there was great pomp and circumstance in worship. You see, it was Communion Sunday, and you couldn't get any higher in church than Communion Sunday. And the cathedral choir would robe and they would introit, the old church word, or process into worship. And many a uh, first Sunday, the cathedral choir at the great, great central church, they would introit to a song that said, we've come this far by faith. <laughs> you see, they'd say, we've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word, because he's never failed me yet. And the songwriter went over to say, oh, 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 can't turn around. We've come this far by faith. And then the preacher would stop everybody. And the whole church would stand to their feet, Wayne. <laughs> and the preacher would say, are you glad that you've come into the house of worship today? <laughs> and the crowd would stand to their feet and start to clap their hands. And, 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 and great jubilation would break out in the house of worship. 
And the preacher again would say, and I was glad when they said unto me, <laughs> let us go into the house of the Lord. <laughs> For in the house of the Lord, you will find peace. You will find joy. You will find happiness and a great reward. But the preacher would not stop there. He would say it was a heathen. His name is the Reverend Dr. Rodney Thomas Smothers. He would say, won't you come? Come. Come. And then the soloist would say, now don't be discouraged with trouble in your life. He'll bear your burdens and move all misery and strife. That's why, come on, y'all help me. We've come this far. Come on, sing it. Stand up and sing it like you know it. Come on now. <laughs> Yeah, if you know it, come on, sing it. And we're trusting. He's never failed. He's never failed me yet. Sing it. an epistle. It's not quite a letter. It's not quite a book, but it is a sermon. <laughs> and it is written to a congregation that is losing its way. And it is written to a congregation that is just a little bit tired and just a little bit weary and just a little bit weather-worn by all of the stuff of life. And the preacher is preaching to the congregation, trying to encourage them to put one foot in front of another just one more time. To keep going just a little while longer. To keep running the race just a little while longer. To keep running through the weariness and through the wilderness. And to keep their heads up to remember who they are and whose they are just a little while longer. And to remember that nothing in this world happens but by faith. And so here we are in the crux of it, <laughs> the good part of it, in chapter 11, and we hear these words from the preacher this morning in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in the first chapter. I'm reading from the first 
verse from the New Living Translation. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Maybe you've heard it this way. Faith now, faith, is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It continues through their faith. The people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And now we jump down to the eighth verse. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep God's promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, here we are to worship. Here we are to bow down. Here we are to say that you are indeed our worthy and our holy God. So come by here. Come and blow a fresh wind and a fresh fire and a fresh anointing on these, your people gathered in this place. Take this, your servant, and hide her behind that old rugged cross so that everything that is said and everything that is heard comes straight from you, O oh God. Have your way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but it takes faith to uproot a rosebush, to put it in a pot, and expect for it to grow in a sanctuary. But you know what? Uh, the worship team and the altar guilds, we have faith, don't we, Carol? And this morning we found out that our rosebush is a little bit diseased, but by faith... Our rose bush has grown since last week, has it not? Because God can do what? Anything but fail. God can grow us in the midst of our disease. See, last week we had one or two little bushes, little roses. And this week we have one or two or three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. In the midst of our disease, by faith, anything is possible. We're in a series called Life Matters. <laughs> And sometimes I think we've forgotten that life matters. I think we've forgotten that matter, you know, the little thing that makes up everything. Remember, we learned last week that matter is the smallest, that one piece of matter makes up another piece and 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 another piece. And when matter gets in order, then we have atoms. And, and, and when all of those things happen to get together, then when everything's decent and in order, we have mm, roses in a pot. in transplanted soil, in a sanctuary, in the midst of dis-ease, still growing, still living, still flourishing. What does that mean for human beings? There's dis-ease everywhere we look. <laughs> there is dis-ease all around us, and we have a choice to make. Either we enter the dis-ease and become a part of the problem, or we choose to overcome the dis-ease and become a part of the life. It's up to you. Are you people of life or people of dis-ease? 
The Hebrew writer tells us that it is in our DNA that we are people of life. And yet all around us, we see people of dis-ease. Oh, it got quiet. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I can't tell you how long we talked about whether or not we could grow a rose bush in worship planning <laughs> in a sanctuary. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Oh, you didn't know we planned worship? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The Hebrew word, the evidence of things not seen, is hypothesis, and it means literally the essence, the essence, the very being of what we don't see in God. Huh. Faith is the very essence of what we don't see in God. So we talked about last week that if Christ matters, if we are really people of faith, then our faith is built on believing and trusting and living as if God is real. And if God is real, that means that we lean into and trust in God's very essence being what we cannot see. Most of us are transplants in this life. What? In some way, you've been uprooted. Maybe you live in a different town than you started in. Maybe you live in a different house than you started in. Maybe life threw you for a loop. It's been a little bit topsy-turvy and you've gone a different direction than you started in and you've grown in an unexpected place. But just like this rose bush, you've been uprooted and you're trying to grow in unexpected soil and it's going to take a by-faith kind of living in order for you to flourish and to grow grow and you just trying to do this all willy-nilly but you've forgotten that it is only by faith because it is only by God that you were here today. So why does faith matter? What we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. That's what the preacher is telling these tired people in, in, in verse 3. What we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. 
You mean the violence I see did not come from anything that can be seen? You mean I can't explain it away? (laughs) Spiritual warfare is real. This battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities. Evil is real. Satan is real. Video games didn't do it. Hatred did it. Racism did it. Sexism did it. The isms did it. Meanness did it. Arrogance did it. Anger did it. Our way of separating each other from each other, we have sown deep seeds and now we are reaping what we have sown and now we are going to have to deal with our own behavior generations upon generations upon generations upon generations upon generations of supremacy, whatever kind of supremacy you want to call it in America, I'm going to call it white supremacy you're gonna have to deal with it we're all gonna have to deal with it it is satan at satan's best seeking to destroy god's work and as long as the people of god want to be quiet about it we will all be dead like we said last week Now, I tried to move past that, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me, Pastor Walter. Dis-ease. We try to play nice with dis-ease. You know what Carol had to do this morning to the dis-ease? She had to cut it out and kill it so that next week the bush won't be dead. The preacher in Hebrew says, it's what we can't see that either kills us or helps us to grow. It's what we don't talk about that either kills us or helps us to grow. It's our by-faith life. Either we live it or we don't. What's a by-faith life, preacher? Father Abraham, y'all remember that song? Had many sons and many sons. Father Abraham, I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Lighter head, turn around, sit down. Remember that old VBS song? That's how we taught our children about Abraham, who, who was one of the very fathers and foundations of our faith, who by faith left everything that he, know, that he knew and for four, three generations in his family did not have a home. They lived in tents. They wandered around only 
only because God said, I will give you a home. Just follow me. Sound familiar? Oh, but we don't want it to sound familiar. (laughs) Abraham left home and for three generations did not have a place to lay his head. They erected tents wherever God said, erect a tent. Went into places that were not theirs (laughs) because God said, put a tent here. Went into places that other people called home (laughs) and put a tent there because God said, put a tent here. Put their lives in danger. Ran from places because they were in danger. Sought asylum in places because God said, travel to this place. You will find safety here. They were immigrants, if you're missing this story. The founders of our faith. You don't get Jesus without Abraham. There is no David's bloodline without Abraham. Read Hebrews 11 this week. By faith, Abraham followed the call of God on his life. For three generations, there was nowhere for him to lay his head. For three generations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all they did was listen to what God said do. You hearing this? And these aren't our kind of generations. These are hundreds of years generations. Because remember, Abraham, the first, the first, the first offspring, offspring came when he was, what, 100 and what? Anybody know their biblical history in this place? Crickets. Silence. Over 100 years old. When Ishmael, not Isaac, let's tell the truth and shame the devil. Ishmael, go look that up. Come back and tell me where Ishmael falls in religion 101. Over 100 years old when Ishmael and Isaac are born. So three generations Hundreds of years with no place to lay their heads. All they did was follow the call of God on their lives. That is a by faith kind of life. Did not make a single decision without first saying, God, Lord, most high, Elohim,
What shall I do? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence, the very being of God and the things that I cannot see. The preacher teaches us in Hebrews that even when he reached the land God promised him, Abraham lived there by faith, like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. And they confidently looked forward to a city not made by men but designed and built by God. For they were looking for a better place. Not a place, a country that they came from, but a heavenly homeland. This is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. A by faith life requires that we trust God in everything. A by-faith life requires that we do the crazy thing just because God said so. A by-faith life means that we change our minds when we're 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 and 90 years old because we've been convicted by the Holy Spirit and we've heard God speak to us in a fresh and a new way and we know that 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 it was God and it might look like anger and it might look like fear, and it might look like tears, and it might look like angst, and it might look like freedom, and it might look like peace, and people might ask you, what's wrong with you? And people might say, what got a hold of you? And people might say, you better stop going to that church with that crazy preacher. And people might say all kinds of things to you, but when God gets a hold of you and a by-faith life takes over, something changes in your life and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, you don't get to control what happens in your life and the transformation that takes over in your life and the disease that moves out of you and the wholeness and the freshness and the health and the life that takes over in you.
This place is not our home. And when we understand that, God is not ashamed to be our God. So I've been praying and I've asked God to unsettle you this week. As you ask this question, Is God ashamed to be called our God? To be continued next week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.